Christine Wolf Podcast. Thank you for joining. We are broadcasting from space in Evanston. Our guest today will be talking about restorative justice. I'd like to welcome Betsy Lehman-Levisay to our podcast today. Hi, Betsy. Hi, Christine. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. I just wanted to let our listeners know a little bit about your background. Uh, Betsy has a JD from Northwestern University's School of Law and a master's in social work from the University of Chicago. And she has worked as a therapist with young kids and adolescents in Chicago. She is a board member of the ACLU of Illinois and the vice chair of the board of the James B. Moran Center for Youth Advocacy. She grew up in Evanston, went to King Lab and Evanston Township High School. And uh, she and her husband and their three kids live in Evanston. So thank you again for coming and talking to us. I'm happy to. I'll let you describe restorative justice in your own words and then how you came to get involved in it. I first went to law school and after law school I worked as an attorney at the Legal Assistance Foundation of Chicago and I found that um, while all of my clients clearly had a pressing legal issue, I thought that they really also concurrently had some systemic social work issues. And if one addressed the legal and did not address the social work, um, you know, you really weren't going to have any long-lasting change or impact. And so that's kind of what prompted me to go back to school to get my uh, master's in social work. Uh And so... I did those two things, and then I promptly started having children. So <laughs> I was not really, I mean, I was volunteering in various capacities for legal organizations, but I was not working at the Legal Assistance Foundation anymore. And I found out through a friend about a program at the Evanston Police Department, um, and it was their uh, restorative justice diversion program for juvenile offenders. Okay. And what it did is that... Um, When a juvenile in Evanston committed some crime, if they met certain criteria or if detectives decided to recommend them for this program, Mm -hmm. instead of going the traditional um, court legal route, Mm -hmm. they would go um, a restorative route, which meant um, working with social workers, um, you know, really taking more of an in-depth look at what happened, why it happened. And that process culminates in a um, victim-offender circle. Okay. And in that circle, the the victim talks about the harm that was done mm. to him or her. The offender talks about um, you know why they did what they did. There are community members there because the restorative justice philosophy looks at wrongdoing as a harm, not only to the person that was harmed, but the community as a whole. Mm. So after hearing about this program, I um, got trained. And I sort of felt like the skies parted and had that like, really, like this is it, like this is bringing it all together. And it makes so much sense. It utilizes my, you know, education, both educations and just You know, I was just passionate about it. And then when I experienced my first circle and saw the impact, it it just, I was hooked. Really? And what does a circle actually look and sound and feel like? Um, I'm just trying to describe for listeners because you had said there's Mm -hmm. the victim, the offender, community members. Is somebody leading it or somebody guiding it? How does that all come together and who facilitates it? Yes, there usually is a circle facilitator. And um, at the police department, it's usually one of the police department social workers. And the circle begins with a ritual. Um, Restorative justice is based on um, Native American principles. And so it often will begin, um, you lay ceremony and... Um, People will often start with a quote. Um, There are any number of ways, but Mm -hmm. there's some ritual to signify a circle is starting. Okay. And then what happens is um, the victim and the offender both um, may have supporters there. It could be family. It could be friends. 
there are the social workers from the police department, at least one. Mm. There are at least two community members there. These are volunteers. Um, volunteers who have been trained through the police department. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, go through a training and have a background check. Oh, okay. And, um, and then um, you start off the circle by asking different questions. And what's interesting is that in the circle, everyone is thought of as equal. Hmm. And so you don't get right into the offense right off the bat. You sort of kind of establish a sense of connectedness mm-hmm. among the participants. So, for example, um, you know, I think in my first circle, Somebody said, you know, talk about a time you were harmed. Mm. And then you pass the talking piece. There's a talking piece. Mm -hmm. And only the person with the talking piece is able to speak. And everybody else should be um, hopefully listening. Right. Respectful. (laughs) Um, Carefully. And and so everybody went around the circle and talked about a time that they had been harmed. And then the... uh, leader said talk about a time that you harmed somebody else wow and you go around the circle and do that and so immediately it's sort of you realize Levels we've the all playing done field. Thing. the yeah. playing field is leveled the um offender is not feeling like "Ooh, all eyes are on you you bad offender right. you know it's sort of like hey we've all been in these situations where we've made bad choices mm-hmm. um you know, it doesn't mean we're not going to get to it, but it doesn't just jump in. Sure. And so then, you know, at some point after kind of the introductory um, sort of community establishing questions, you go into the the reason that we're all here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that can take many different forms. I mean, usually... Um, they'll just sort of bring it up and say, well, this is why we're here. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just want to go around and talk about that. Mm-hmm. And and it's really quite profound to see the offender hear from the victim, you know, what their action meant and felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really the way the traditional justice system Well, not works. at all. The traditional justice system is... As as we know it, it's punitive. Mm-hmm. It's it's all about the punishments that are doled out. What degree of punishment are you going to be getting? Very little emphasis on um, why something happened, and and they're not thinking about repairing the harm. Right. They're thinking about a consequence, but it doesn't really think about repairing the harm that this act has caused. Right. Um, and certainly within the juvenile justice system, the goals of that are, you know, not punitive or not. I mean, clearly there can be a punitive. Sure, depending um, on the offense. Depending on the offense. And, and, and that can be very appropriate and, you know, oftentimes is appropriate. But, but the whole point is to rehabilitate kids so they can rejoin their community yeah. and function in society you know, in a respectful, uh, law-abiding, um, functional way. And so it, it makes, to me, much more sense if rehabilitation is the goal mm-hmm. to really have offenders hear about how their actions impact others. I think it really gives a sense, especially, you know, when you think about adolescents who are, uh, you know, kind of well, yeah. <laughs> focused on themselves a lot of the time. Um, that there are, you know, you there are rights, but there are also responsibilities of being part of a community, and your actions do not occur occur, um, occur in a bubble, right? And they affect people, and so to to be a part of of the experience and hearing the victim talk about how this action felt to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could give an example if Please. you want. Please. Oh, like, um, yeah. Uh, one circle that I was in, these um, offenders, they were two young men, and they had ruined somebody's Christmas decorations. They had torn them down, not once, but twice. Oh. And... I, I mean, you can be quite sure that in their mind, they're thinking, you know, we're just kind of making mischief. Mm-hmm. So to... Um, hear from the woman whose house they, um, 
who's who's um what's the right word they <laughs> the residents the the resident uh-huh. I mean the woman who they um they ruin the decorations I am not thinking of the right word but um she said you know the first time this happened I thought huh like this is so strange you know nobody nobody would do this on purpose you know was there wind was there you know but it seems to be a little more you know damaged than just this and then she said and the second time this happened I was scared and she said you know I have two adopted children who are of different ethnicities and they had been experiencing some bullying in school and I thought is this connected to bullying she said I was terrified feeling targeted yeah when in fact she wasn't it it was just a random it was random and and so I think that I mean I know that those boys sitting there wow, you know, it it stopped and made them think. Mm -hmm. And I think made them think in a way they never would had they gone to court, stood in front of a judge, and received a traditional punitive punishment where then you kind of focus only on yourself and the anger you feel about it or the... Embarrassment and shame. Embarrassment and shame. And so they were able to say to this woman, you know, I'm really sorry like we weren't thinking and that was not our intention exactly. at all we didn't even know who lived there um we were just being knuckleheads basically uh-huh. and she was able to say well i just want you to know that this really scared me and it made me um and my children feel very nervous mm-hmm. um we were afraid to go outside we did it we just didn't know what was going on right. and that was terrifying and, but she could also say, you know, but I also understand that people make dumb choices. Mm-hmm. And I was a kid, too. And I'm happy that we're able to have this dialogue because it's important to me that you hear what I have to say. And I think it's important for you to think about how to repair this. And so, and that's ultimately what happens, that the group... Uh, comes up with a reparation agreement that is, you know, fairly simple, that's attainable. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody who's been a part of the circle agrees to to help in any way they can wow. to have the agreement um, be completed successfully. And, and, and I think that further, um, often the agreement will be, you know, directly related to the offense, but then in other ways, um, it just sort of is community building and that there could be other parts of it where the offender will need to volunteer their time mm. doing something. I don't remember the exact agreement for do, this one. Do the, do the offenders, are they um, necessarily paired with the victim to kind of uh, complete the reparations or are they... Are the victims involved in the reparations? Let's say in the case, you know, in a case similar where Christmas decorations were were ruined, would the offenders be required ever to go back and fix, you know, the damage that they had done there? Or is it, does it tend to be somewhere else? I think it tends to be, I think it's you're enough down the line that fixing your actions can be, you know, at least something like that. I think that things were long cleaned up. It was sure. into the summer. You know, it wasn't yeah. a possibility for that anymore. But certainly, depending on other offenses, you can go and speak directly to the people that you harmed. Mm. You can... Um, it, it really, I think, just depends on the individual circumstances. Sure. And sometimes I think the victims may not want to be further involved. I mean, they just want to have had the opportunity to have talk their... about how this impacted them mm-hmm. and and then say, okay, you know, and now my part is done. You know, I, I agree that whatever is, you know, I will participate in coming up with an appropriate agreement, mm-hmm. but I don't feel that I need to be a part of it mm-hmm. going forward, the, you know, the and completion. When, well, let me ask two things. With restorative justice, it's not just for youth offenses. It's It can be applied to adults. Absolutely. And you work specifically with youth offense 
scenarios or do you also um, are you ever involved with adult situations? I have not had that experience though um, I, I would like to um, because I really think I mean it's my opinion that whenever any harm crime any kind of harm it could be a, a crime or not has occurred having a restorative element to mm-hmm. it is really important so mm-hmm. even though you know you may have somebody who has a punitive consequence for their actions mm-hmm. I still think that a restorative response ultimately has the rehabilitative effect mm-hmm. more than the punitive response and especially um, in a crime situation, victims so often do not have a voice at all. You know, they're represented by the state's attorneys, and sometimes there's a chance to, to have a victim impact statement. But generally, you know, it's out of your control. Right. And I think it's kind of empowering for victims to be able to play um, um, a role in this. Mm-hmm. And certainly for offenders who feel that remorse and want to express that remorse, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's beneficial for all. And and there may be times where an offender feels a certain amount of remorse and wants to, you know, has gotten to the place where they are ready for this kind of circle and the victim is not. And sometimes sure. they will pair an offender with a similar victim, ah. um, a victim of a similar crime so they can still hear what that felt like to be the victim of that crime mm-hmm. though it may not be their specific well I, there's there's a level of um education and i guess progress may not be the right word but um you know imparting knowledge and growth um in this you know specifically in terms of youth, you had written something when you had presented to Dewey Elementary School. Um, you you had run a restorative justice presentation back in 2012, and one of the things that I was struck by is a comment in there that misconduct is a part of the developmental process of every young person, and it seems to be one of the most profound things mentioned because if if we recognize that kids are going to be making mistakes and having some sort of a a system um, an approach a philosophy in place to to help them address those problems those mistakes those missteps in a positive way rather than a punitive way it just seems like then the need for restorative justice when people are older would even seem less because kids are getting educated earlier. Absolutely, and they're building their competencies, you know, in the social emotional realm, which I think we all know is really what is yeah. kind of indicative of long term success in life, you know, more than your yeah. um, ISAT scores. Oh <laughs> um, true, true. And and I, I do I think that's incredibly Important, And it also says, you know, we believe that within you, you have the capacity to repair the harm that you caused. Mm-hmm. You know, we believe you're better than the worst thing you've ever done. Right. And oftentimes people make these mistakes for, you know, a myriad of reasons. I mean, it could, I mean, very rarely is it a black and white situation mm-hmm. where, oh, you know, I just did this. You know, most people are not sociopaths. Most people are acting out in, you know, socially inappropriate ways for some reason. Mm -hmm. And if you address those reasons at the same time that you're encouraging people to take responsibility Mm -hmm. for their actions, I mean, this is a lot about taking personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. I think you're enabling the person going forward to, you know, just know themselves better. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the next time that comes around, you know, not only do they have, you know, some tools in their toolbox, they also will think, wow, you know, if I do this, this might end up like the way my victim sure. told me it ended up, you know? I, I mean, I just think that it's really, it's the opportunity to grow and learn, which I think is what we want for, for our kids and especially kids that have gotten into trouble right. in some way to learn from their mistakes. Well, can you talk 
a bit about your experience at Dewey Elementary School and and what that restorative justice effort looked like and um, what you saw, uh, how it was implemented, and kind of the response just from your own perspective on on how people embraced it. Sure. Um, well, in the fall of 2012, um, a freshman at ETHS named DJ Coleman had been shot and killed, and it really, I think, was very shocking for the community. And that we were at Dewey at the first um, principal coffee in the morning, and people were talking about, you know, you know, kind of questioning, what does this mean about our community? Mm-hmm. What are the greater implications of this? Um, and and that was the fall after I had trained at the police department. Hmm. And as I had thought about it, I had been thinking, you know, if if more people had these skills, if more people had a sense of consequences for actions, if more people just were, I don't know, that in in a period of time it could really affect the community Mm -hmm. at large. I mean, clearly, I, you know, as much as I (laughs) would like it to be the the true and only solution, I mean, I realize that that's not the case. But I said, you know, I think that if we could help kids to understand when they're doing, you know, very small things, Mm -hmm. the impact of their of their negative behavior as you get older and older, you know, that could really have an effect. And people responded to that. And um, we sort of convened this task force at Dewey to look into this. There have been a couple of teachers at Dewey who had been doing um, circles for decades. Um, My sons had the um, joy of having one of them, Pat Cleveland, for their fourth grade teacher. And both were just, I mean, they found it such a profound experience. Mm -hmm. And she will tell you that every year at the end of the year when she asked the kids, you know, what should I keep? What what did you like about this year? What didn't you like about this year? The number one thing they say is talking circles. Wow. So what happened was, and little did I know, concurrently the police department was starting a program with Washington School to start sort of what's been called the sharing circle program. And District 65 schools, a number of them, in collaboration with the Evanston Police Department, have now been doing this uh, sharing circles project for a few years. And this doesn't really deal with a harm, repairing a harm that's been caused, but it deals more with um, creating greater senses of community, building social emotional competencies for kids, getting kids comfortable um, both speaking about emotions or just speaking in general helping kids to learn how to listen with intent um, and really pay attention to things that their classmates say. Um, and and also they're... get to know each other in a different way because, you know, I think we all would agree that when you know someone, it's that much harder to hurt someone. And they're still conducted in the same manner as um, a peace circle, say, with the a talking piece and only one person talks at a time? They are, exactly. Okay. I mean, it, what happens is, is you know, when you first go, you tell them about the rules of the circle, you know, and the main rules of the circle are that only the person with the talking piece can talk. Um, the talking piece is passed around to your left. It doesn't cross the circle. Um, and that anything that is said in the circle stays in the circle, which doesn't mean that a kid can't go home and say, oh, you know, mom and dad, we talked about telling the truth in mm-hmm. circle today. But it means you can't go home and say, mom and dad, you know, Joey said that he lies to his parents all the time about this or go out on the playground and talk about something somebody said in circle. And so it, it, at Washington School... It started um, actually before Dewey, and I volunteered there, Hmm. and they had a number of volunteers from, many of them from Restorative Justice Evanston Mm -hmm. and the Evanston Police Department kind of roster of community volunteers. And then um, Dewey was added on, Lincoln School is doing it. Now, um, Oakton is starting, I think Willard maybe next year, you know, and they're all kind of 
coming on board because the teachers have uniformly said, um, you know, this it's is so well really received. Great. And the kids say the same thing. Um, you know, that not only does it build a stronger community in the classroom, um, it, it it allows kids, I think, to engage in ways they never have before. Mm-hmm. And I have found that um, without, I mean, age notwithstanding, often kids will come to use the talking circles to problem solve in ways that are just terrific. Um, really? I mean, I, I, I've told this story in various places, but I can tell it again. But in a first grade classroom I was in last year, it had been um, a few weeks since I had been in, and I just wanted to kind of reconnect with the kids. And so, you know, my first question was, you know, how's everybody doing? You know, how, I haven't seen you in a while. And passed the stick and, you know, I was expecting, you know, fine, great, mm-hmm. fine, whatever. And one child said, I'm feeling really sad. And then passed the stick a little further. Another child said, I'm feeling really angry. So it got back to me and I thought, you know, wow. I said, those are some pretty big feelings I heard from a couple of you. Can you say more about that? Mm -hmm. And so we went around again and it turned out that both kids had had kind of unpleasant friend experiences Mm -hmm. at lunch that had left them feeling really left out, Mm -hmm. um, not part of the group, and, and both were very upset. And to make a long story short, you know, we we kind of established, you know, have you ever, has anybody else ever felt that way? Oh, yes, yes, you know, of course. So even this person who you might think is, you know, impervious to all, you know, social um, maneuvering, they too had felt left out. And, um, and... I'm sure the and, revelation is so, uh, um, uh, what's the word? It just gives a bit of hope to those kids who are feeling otherwise isolated that they're really not alone and that this isn't something that's that's just happening to them. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think kids find commonalities with peers that they never would have yeah. imagined. And in this circle, you know, we first went around and, you know, basically everyone could say, yes, that's happened to me. That's great. And then we said, well, and how did you deal with that? And so the kids went around and offered suggestions to their peers. And so it really was this very strength-based approach to, you know, and here's a suggestion about how to handle it. And this is what worked for me. And and so it, it was this great problem-solving moment. And right. I think the kids also got it off their chest. Sure. So if you're thinking about being ready to learn and available, you know, probably they would have spent the rest of the afternoon feeling sad and angry, where instead I think they felt like they'd, you know, kind of talked it out. They received support from their classmates. They felt connected to other people who had experienced it. And then you move on. Just to have a tool, a tangible tool, for something that is in that dicey social-emotional arena that many people just either don't know how to deal with particularly kids, mm-hmm. um, but even even adults. I mean, some adults are really good, very intuitive, uh, very comfortable with social-emotional issues, mm-hmm. and others just tend to, I mean, even teachers that I've known, you know, will say, oh, you're fine, you're good, yeah. let them go, you know, it's fine. But to, to that point about the social-emotional and sort of the, you know, I have to address the issue about the naysayers or the critics of restorative justice who point to the touchy-feely kind of, um, you know, loose, loosey-goosey vibe that they perceive restorative justice to be. What what would you ever want to say to, to folks like that? Because I know that that comes out. A lot of people think, well, it's not concrete and it's a bunch of people standing around passing you know a talking stick and sounds like a bunch of hoo-ha I'd I'd love to know what you think about that perspective and how uh, how you might change their mind about the the whole philosophy well I mean I can't say for sure but I would be more than willing to guess that most people who say that have never had the experience of a circle and 
and see how profound an experience it can be. Um, you know, it's not therapy. I think people think it's therapy, and it is not therapy. It is, you know, it, it can be many different things. You know, in the schools, often it's just kind of an effort to build connectedness among a classroom and, and its members, you know, including the teacher. Um, and, and that's great for the kids. Um, but in the criminal system, you know, you are there with a purpose. Mm -hmm. And the purpose is to let's identify the harm that was caused. Let's think specifically about how we're going to repair it. And then you are going to repair it, mm -hmm. you know? So it's not like, let's just talk about it and then all, you know, float away feeling good about ourselves. You are doing concrete things, having important discussions, and then you have a concrete plan mm -hmm. to repair the harm that was caused. So, you know, you are, there. there is a consequence. It's just a consequence that is not, you know, punitive in the traditional way. Mm -hmm. and, and I would say it's a consequence that really empowers all the people involved, mm -hmm. you know? Um, because and I you, think, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, you, yeah. To your point, you leave that experience um, from both perspectives as a victim or an offender, feeling that you've gained something. As a victim, you probably gain an understanding of somebody else's perspective that you never would have had otherwise. Uh, and you don't feel as much of a victim as 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 much of a victim because you are um, able to express your feelings. But then, as an offender, I would guess you are um, leaving this whole process feeling, hopefully, a sense of accomplishment that you have repaired some of the damage, addressed some of your wrongs, and possibly grown as a person. I mean, ideally, and I think that that is the case. Um, you know, I, I think that the recidivism rate for people who go through restorative um, processes is much lower than those who go through traditional punitive processes because I do really think that there's a whole um, learning component to it um, and learning from your mistakes um, that just is absent in the traditional punitive system. Um, it's, it seems like such a natural um, approach that one would think would be more embraced just just by the, I mean, it, it just seems like it makes sense. And yet um, there are still so many people, I think, I mean, personally, that if I've brought up restorative justice, a lot of times I get sort of that, that questioning look of now what exactly is that and I guess I wonder from your perspective why why it hasn't caught on um, faster or deeper or is it just a matter of it's still so new do you think that people well, are still learning it's not that it's so new I mean the New Zealand justice system has been doing this you know for decades um, in Wisconsin, they have a complete. I, I, you know, I can't speak specifically about this, but they have a restorative element um, to all of their proceedings. Um, I think Colorado might also. And and it really, um, I, I think that people are now learning a lot more about it. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, I don't know who's listened to um, the This American Life that took place at Fanger High School. Mm -hmm. um, was it Fanger? Yes, no? I was. And Roberts, you know, and they have a peace room and a restorative justice. You know, huh. all of these institutions that have implemented, um, you know, alternatives to suspension and restorative um, justice approaches have really seen declines in suspensions, declines in fights. Um, you know, it's it's made for a much better climate mm -hmm. in schools, but and everywhere. And I think that it's becoming more. Um, it's more in the public eye now. It's certainly been written about a fair amount in different um, formats. I mean, about a year ago, there was a New York Times cover story about a young man who had killed his girlfriend in Florida. And mm -hmm. while he received a, you know, 
punitive punishment, of course, as he deserved to, they also had a, a circle around it and how that went and how the parents of his his girlfriend whom he had murdered his parents and and it was just I think it gave everybody involved a sense of I mean closure is not at all the right word but just a sense of of a of a deeper understanding and a chance to 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 communicate um that the existing system just doesn't offer necessarily really doesn't I mean just I was just reading another piece in the in the New York Times magazine about you know a terrible um, uh, these two boys who lit another person on fire on a bus I mean it was terrible but they talked about how the first time the mother saw the parents of the victim you know she just rushed up and was saying you know my son is not this my you know and just mm. had so much to say and while the parents of the victim were kind of you know put off at first they both ended up kind of in tears you know realizing that there were some commonalities in their experience i mean ultimately both these parents had had a child for whom life was never going to be the same and had restorative justice played a part in that situation or it had not it, it just i think it shows that so many people you know that there is that need yes. to have that connection or, or maybe the need isn't you know i think for some people there's absolutely the need mm-hmm. but having that kind of connection can all can and often does help in the healing process absolutely for both sides it's it seems revolutionary and yet it's it seems so natural well it's totally intuitive i mean yeah because i mean clearly if people are acting out in you know violent ways or in you know just making mischief or you know there's usually something that is going on sure um and you know the Moran Center, for example, they re- they represent kids in the criminal justice system. But as part of the representation, the kids also have to agree to social work services because again, there's that kind of inextricable link between the social emotional and the legal. Mm-hmm. That you know, for the most part, there are reasons behind <laughs> why certain actions are taking place, and they're not excuses. For the actions, you know, no. I want to be clear. Um, it's not an excuse, but it, it can help to explain. And then, if you can look at some of those things and try to figure out, hey, how can we make some changes? It, I mean, what could, yeah, be bad about that? Exactly. Um, you know, um, whether you need to have a traditional punishment or not, but you would think that. If the goal, you know, especially with kids, is is to rehabilitate, there has to be some, you know, educational learning aspect mm-hmm. to it, and and I think that, you know, certainly with kids, you know, even kids from the most functional families don't always feel heard. They don't always feel um, understood. You know, these are basic human needs that mm-hmm. we all have, and I think these circles provide that opportunity whether it is you know to address a specific harm or just to build community i mean the kids will say to me at the end of a cycle you know i'll say so how did you feel about having circles or and they say you know i really like having the opportunity to talk about something different you know i feel like i've learned a lot about myself I've learned a lot about my peers. I've learned a lot about my teacher. You know, I don't, we don't really get to talk about things like this. And things like this, you know, can range from what's your favorite ice cream flavor Mm -hmm. to, you know, what's your biggest fear? You know, it it doesn't have to be these heavy, heavy topics. But like you said, once you recognize um, and, and know other people, the likelihood of you either causing harm, saying something about them, doing some, you know, creating something negative towards that person, I would assume decreases um, because 
these are these are people that you are now connected with. Um, I, I mean, I think so, and that's why I feel so passionately about this school project because I feel like, you know, it's not going to be an immediate fix, but if these kinds of skills um, are 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 taught to kids and kids experience them and experience them as, um, you know, a, a normal part, you know, open, honest communication being a normal part of life as opposed to what you are saying, feeling like you need to keep it all hidden. Right. Um, and, and kids then get, you know, kind of a toolbox of strategies for when they're feeling bad. I, I just feel like in a generation... You know, it has the potential to really affect the community at large. I mean, it's clearly not going to solve all problems, but but I do think it could make a big difference. And and I've just, you know, really every group of kids that I have sat in circle with have all said, you know, we really enjoyed this. You know, like this was good, even if sometimes it's hard. You know, ultimately they feel like it's it's worthwhile right and and important um you know and i and i know that another criticism or another concern of parents has been you know are kids going to hear something that they're not prepared to hear Mm. or is this going to be too upsetting Mm. and you know certainly that's never the plan Mm -hmm. um but you know that can happen sometimes um and, and for example, I mean, for example, well, for example, um, in a classroom, in a fifth grade classroom that I was in, we were talking about, I'm trying to remember what the, oh, we were talking about sort of what does it mean? What does heroic mean? You know, and I don't even remember why we were talking about that, but, but two people mentioned, um, the heroism of people in their lives who had been fighting disease. You know, one had, a cousin, I think, who had cancer, another had a grandmother who was very ill and felt that, you know, their response to this illness, that they were heroic. And, you know, I don't think it was an accident that kids said this, and, and I felt that I needed to acknowledge that it had been said. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I said, you know, wow, you know, that is, that's really hard. I didn't know you guys were going through that. You know, has anybody else gone through this? And, and then again, kind of, and how did you deal with it? And, and, you know, for the kids who talked about it, you know, just a moment ago, you know, what supports do you have to help you hmm. through this? And so, you know, in my mind, we kind of ended on a strengths sort of um, approach and, and kind of, talked it through but I but I felt like I couldn't ignore it right. and so and so it seemed like all was well the teacher but anyway a few days later I got a call from a parent who said you know I just needed to ask you about this you know my daughter came home she said we were all so upset because we just talked about death in oh. our circle today and and I said well you know I'm so glad you called first of all because you know, that wasn't the impression that I had. Let me explain to you what happened. And But then I could say, I, I got in touch with the teacher and I said, you know, I, I don't know if you were aware of this, but apparently, you know, some people were very upset and I need to get, you know, I was not supposed to go there that week because they had something else going on. I said, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I'll come anytime, but I think we need to address it. You know, address it. Uh-huh. And so I didn't say that anybody had called me or anything like that. I just said, you know, last week we talked about some pretty heavy issues and I just wanted to check in with you guys and see you know, how you felt about that and how do you feel? And and some of the kids said very explicitly, you know, I wasn't comfortable hmm. talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that felt too much for me. Hmm. And, and so I was able to say, you know, I really appreciate you telling me this. You know, from my perspective, you know, a couple kids had brought this up and I wanted to acknowledge that I heard you and that, you know, I... I um, you know, had empathy for what was going on in your life and wanted to, you know, see if if we could, you know, kind of problem solve in any way. Um, I said, but, you know, I'm so glad to know that that felt right. too much. And, and, and then the kids, and so we could say, you know, what are things, you know, and it's funny because kids would say, well, we like talking about 
real topics. You know, they would say real topics or some said with serious topics. Right. But not that. Okay, you know. um, But that helps you learn for future ones. It was a great learning experience for me. And I could say, well, you know, tell me more. Like, what are things that you would really like to talk about? And that's something I've done in the past, too. We've just had a talking um, circle question box that we leave in the classroom. Nobody puts any names on. You can just put a question in there and... And then when I come, I'll read the questions and that'll be, you know, so kids will put questions, you know, ranging from, you know, what do you do when you want to sit at a different lunch table and your friends say you're going to the dark side (laughs) or how do you, you know, what do you do when you're playing with your friend and then somebody else comes out and then they blow you off, you know, so there are things that are really on kids' minds and they're dealing with on a daily basis and to me, you know, I think it's great that they have a source exactly. to let it out. And well, it's reassuring. I mean, imagine a child who is, this is consuming, what, whatever it is, a lunchroom navigation strife that could consume them, take them away from their educational focus, but to know perhaps that on Fridays we do sharing circles. Mm-hmm. You can write down something that's just just eating at your heart Put it in the box and know that it will be brought up and somehow somebody, whether it's the facilitator, the teacher, the uh, another adult, another student, this topic will be addressed and I will get some sort of tools and and approaches to be able to use. It's It seems, but all, it also seems like the modeling that they witness from the facilitators is so beneficial because they are you know kids are sponges obviously and to to watch this empathy and to watch it in action um has got to get into at least some if not many of the kids or or people in the sharing circle as it were but but just to be able to have that modeled and and watch what can happen if there's respectful dialogue and you know patience and and Listening, I think that to me. Oh, the listening is really important. But you're right, you know, to hear an adult. I mean, and I say, you know, oftentimes, you know, we'll talk about what it means to be a good friend. Mm. You know, have you been a good friend? Talk about time you were a good friend. What about time you weren't such a good friend? And, you know, and often when those questions are asked, I'll go first. And I will tell them of a time that I was a really lousy friend. So they know, you know, I've been a lousy friend too. And and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I did what I could to make it right then. But it's still, you know, clearly I still think about it, you know. And people make mistakes. Your teachers do. Your facilitator for the talking circle does. Your mm-hmm. mom and dad do. Um, and I just think it normalizes, you know, the fallibility of existence. I did sit in on Unity Circle, I believe. You know, some two youth had basically caused some damage to uh, somebody's property. And witnessing what the victims got to say, as well as hearing the, the two young people talk about their perspectives and watching the listening that happened in there, I, I don't think that I had really ever appreciated the act of listening as deeply as I did um, before that. It was, it's hard. It's really hard to listen because you're constant. I mean, even us sitting here, you know, as you're yeah. talking, I I consciously stop myself from thinking about the next question because I, I have learned through sitting through one of those to really try and not interrupt. And yet I still struggle with that, but it's, you know, I think we're all rushing to get to the next point in life Absolutely. rather than just hearing each other for, you know, the, the, the true core that we all have. Um, I mean, there's no question. I mean, that is absolutely one of the goals of the circle project in the schools to really help kids learn how to listen mm -hmm. and, and, and be good listeners Mm -hmm. and listen with intent. Um, because you're right that, you know, things are moving quickly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a nice stop and breathe moment, I think as a as a um, preventative aspect of society to do a circle and and just be are there ways that people can get involved with 
restorative justice either in Evanston in their own communities start programs are there um, I mean from your own perspective I know you're relatively new to it it's been less than five years but what would you say to somebody who's interested well if you're in Evanston I would say that you could be trained um, by uh, one of the social workers. It's usually a woman named Patrice Quayle at the Evanston Police Department. She's kind of spearheaded this Sharing Circle uh, project um, that she runs trainings, one over the summer and then one usually midway through the year for people who want to volunteer in the classrooms uh, at the various schools. And so you learn how to run a circle hmm. and and the trainings are run in circles okay. so you're really experiencing it and learning um, at the same time so that would be a great way sure. to get involved and I think the more volunteers the more classrooms yeah. that can be served yeah. so um, that would be great I think that you know and we're hoping that the program will be able to be expanded mm-hmm. into um, ideally, I think it would be great if it were in the middle schools, too. Um, oh, it's you know, so true. Right now, it's I only like in the elementary only level. only in the elementary schools right now. Yeah. And I think middle schools are really, you know, important time where kids are, you know, kind of dipping their feet in different places. Oh, and I know. starting to take a turn down this way <laughs> or that way. And, yeah. you know, I think this could be very beneficial. Um, so that is um, one way to get involved. There's an organization in Evanston called Restorative Justice Evanston, um, and they have a website. Um, at the high school level, there had been a very active peer jury, which is kind of another form mm-hmm. of restorative justice. It's, um, and unfortunately, I think that has has lost a little steam, but I'm hoping that it will be reinvigorated Good. because I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's another way for people to learn, and certainly you know, any alternatives to suspension Mm. um, that can be thought about are really important because, you know, we all know about the school-to-prison pipeline. Oh, yes. um, You know, I don't think we want to be sending kids down that path. And for people who might be interested in, let's say they're less comfortable in a youth setting but more um, peer-to-peer as adults, are there circles that exist in Evanston or neighborhoods or, you know, on a, on a wider level, um, just in a um, preventative kind of method? You know, I just read in the paper about an organization, I, I think they're, it's called Circles and Ciphers, hmm. um, and, it, and it is kind of just a preventative um, community building. Nice. I think it engages sort of a lot of writing and maybe some hip-hop aspect to it, and I believe it takes place um, in West Rogers Park. Um, there was an article... I think in the Chicago Tribune is where I, I saw it, and I kind of made a mental note to find out more about that. Um, you know, if you also are interested in being a community volunteer at the police department, they do training there, and that is youth, but it's not like in a classroom surrounded sure. by, you know, 20 kids. It's more of a specific, um, you know, to address a harm, and, and that, you know, might feel a little more comfortable to some people. Um, and you know what I can do after uh, when we put our podcast up, I can try to track down local links as well as any um, national links and include that in um, whatever we put out there on the web because it would be nice for anybody who is interested to get involved just to have resources like that. And you know, I guess just just to ask you one final thought and and thank you so much for all of this time i'm i I, it's it's, to talk about it it's i am too i really am it's just it's a refreshing thing to to experience firsthand but also just to hear more and more about the excitement behind it um you know what does restorative justice and your involvement in it mean to you personally Hmm. Well, to me personally, you know, I feel a tremendous sense of, of you know, personal satisfaction. Mm. I think that, um, you know, I haven't worked in the traditional workforce in quite some time and have been a stay-at-home mother. 
And, and work in restorative justice and in these classrooms has really helped me to feel like I'm accomplishing mm. something above and beyond you know parenting my children which clearly is an important sure but not always the most rewarding (laughs) and not always you know seeing the fruits of your labor right away (laughs) shall we say um but I I I feel like my values these have always been my values Mm -hmm. and my kind of the way I put things together in my head and and truly I feel like this is just sort of the perfect melding of my skill set sure. and my values, and it just every time I'm a part of a circle, whether it's a presentation to a PTA council, whether it's in a classroom, whether it's at the police department, it just feels like it's been a tremendously valuable experience for me, but everybody else, and and it has made me feel more connected to my community. Isn't that wonderful? And that's been great. I mean, I was, clearly, I grew up in Evanston. I came back to raise my children, so I've always felt connected to Evanston. Yeah. But I think it's, it does so in a different way. Right. Um, Well, and especially following DJ Coleman's murder, um, which in 2012, as you had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, was, was such a, um, just a traumatic event for our entire community because so many people felt this this desire to do something and yet so many of us felt paralyzed about, well, what is it? What can we do? How do you stop violence? How do you break the cycle? How, what, you know, th- right. that paralysis and yeah. restorative justice to me seems to be a very tangible, um, measurable and uh, beneficial thing for all ages to participate in. It's not just something that, you know, students, uh, classmates of his, or or family members of his, or um, you know, neighbors. It's it's something that everybody could benefit from and in their own way. And it seems flexible enough that um, it's it's worthwhile of going um, of being an ongoing sort of a practice rather than just a one-time thing for those who want it ongoing. Well, I think the thing is, is that when you think about violence, there's no one answer as right. to, you know, what. But I do think that this is a very valid and important part of the answer yeah. because I just think it, it addresses many um, causes of violence. And I think, think just the sense of building community you know, in and of itself helps to That's invaluable. Yeah. violence and, and, you know, to bring things full circle. Last month, um, the DJ Coleman Foundation, they do, um, they, uh, DJ, he was a um, big basketball player. And so they work with the Evanston Pride Feeder Basketball Program. And once a month they go in to do kind of a special um, activity. You know, last year it was, it was tutoring and this year, um, I spoke with them and we ended up designing circles for, for really? the boys to be involved with. And the first one was last month. And so all these boys <laughs> were there participating in a circle. And this one had to do with, you know, some of the um, activities of the summer regarding, um, you know, Ferguson and Eric Garner. Sure. And, and so, you know, it was a, it was a heavy topic. And, um, and so there were volunteers from the DJ Coleman Foundation who helped to facilitate, and these eighth grade boys from the feeder program. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody felt that it was uniformly a very positive experience. And I remember seeing um, Dede's mom there, and I, you know, kind of smiled at her. I said, "Can you believe like this is sort of come wow, like in a, you know, it was very." emotional I wow. think and the next one is tonight and sadly I'm not able to go but um you have a reason yeah, you're, yeah. you're <laughs> a family birthday yeah. but you know and we will also include uh, the Deja Coleman Foundation website on the podcast as well because that is an incredible resource too just mm-hmm. for violence prevention and positivity in the Absolutely. community and any way that 
building positive community can happen, I think it's it's a worthwhile effort. Um, no question. But restorative justice, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Betsy Lehman Levesay. Well, thank you for having oh, me. It's a pleasure my, having been here. Thank you. And um, we are finishing up the Christine Wolf podcast from Space in Evanston on Chicago Avenue. Please stop by. It's a wonderful place in Evanston that brings um, culture, people, and food from Union together. So thanks for listening and hope you'll tune into our next episode coming up soon. Take care. Bye.